the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to Rob Black on the Money Channel. Now, here's Rob. One of the things that I do as an investor is work with demographics, work with numbers in a pretty hardcore way. Those are very, very important to me to study and to, to get caught up on. If you can catch a trend, number of internet users doubling every year for 20 years, you can do very, very well as an investor. And that's always going to be my goal is just uh, stick with some numbers, put together some good stories, look at management, look at margins, look at execution, look at competition. It's what I do. So one of the things that I have to focus on on a regular basis, like I said, is, is just flat out numbers. You know, as economies evolve, so do consumers, and consumers drive retail, and consumers drive economies. So, for instance, when the recession hit in the United States, people stopped spending money pretty aggressively. And when people stopped spending money, it created a scenario that it made the recession worse. We started saving more, which is exactly what we wanted, but at the same time, it becomes a bit of a problem. So the change in consumer is what the world looks at as far as economics go. And we're seeing a little bit of it playing out in Egypt. We've seen some of it play out in China. A good example of China would be the number of people who are committing suicide as young workers in the workforce where they're getting very low pay to make the goods for America. It's part of the change in consumer. So... The spectrum of consumers is is a huge story. Advanced economies are reaching a maturing stage while populations, the age inside those advanced economies, uh, consumption starts to grow slow. So the consumption pitch in the United States is better than that of the advanced economies, uh, although the way Americans consume is starting to change. And what I mean by that is Americans have a lot of kids. So we still are consumers even though we're aging but we're also changing the way we're purchasing. You know, the other leading consumers of the world, Japan and Western Europe, continue to maneuver through a weak consumption period. That's the consequence of economic maturation. I think Japan was the first country that really hit that economic maturation level where in the 1980s they were free will and spending businesses, wheeling, diamond, you know, doing what they could. Since then, they've kind of matured and some of their product that matured was like tv sets and electronics now we took over some of that in the united states as far as manufacturing as far as product goes but that was an industry that got really old in japan consumers in advanced economies may not have the spending cachet that they once did yet big mistake to think that advanced economies are devoid of investable uh, opportunities so there's opportunities for both a cyclical Things happen in cycles to a secular standpoint. 
supporting research shows that you know it's going to expose opportunities to you if you look at the numbers. The overriding message and data out there is that the dynamic of consumption growth is shifting in favor of developing economies. So let's talk a little bit more about this, and this is something we could talk about for years and weeks. The changing consumer has, you know, it's an investment theme that you have to analyze the shifting behavior of the world's largest consumer, the United States. You have to analyze the headwinds facing consumers in other advanced economies. You have to identify the developing economies that are growing and becoming greater contributors to the global consumption picture in order to uncover data-driven investment trends within you know, these respective economies. So de- defining advanced economies is probably the best place to start. Um, you know, what you have here is the IMF, International Monetary Fund, their world economic outlook aggregates economies into two groups, advanced and emerging. I think it's advanced and emerging and developing, emerging and developing. So the primary criteria here is currently used to classify these economies are per capita income levels, averaged over a number of years, export diversification, degree of integration in the global financial system. The end result is 33 countries that are classified as advanced is what we get. So the G7, Australia and South Korea, 16 of the 17 countries that make up the Eurozone. Estonia officially joined at the beginning of 2011, but they're not quite ready to be considered an advanced economy. A few more interesting names that are considered advanced economies uh, from Asia, Hong Kong, New Zealand, Singapore, and Taiwan. On the other hand, you know, a mission simply stating that it brings together the governments of countries committed to democracy and market economy from around the world is part of what hurts this whole WEO angle and approach. Um, you know, Hong Kong, Malta, Singapore, and Cyprus, uh, are considered advanced economies, but they can get themselves written off due to political reasons, political agenda. So Russia is going to become a member, and they've offered enhanced engagement to Brazil, China, India, Indonesia, South Africa. And uh, they're just trying to say that, you know, we're distinct. So 38 advanced economies. North America has U.S., Canada, Mexico. Uh, Central and South America has Chile. Europe has Germany, the United Kingdom, France, Italy, Spain, Netherlands, Switzerland, Sweden, Belgium, Austria, Greece, Norway, Finland, Denmark, Portugal, Ireland, Poland, Czech Republic, Hungary, Slovenia, Slovak Republic, Cyprus, Iceland, Estonia, Malta, and Luxembourg. The Middle East has Israel. The Asia-Pacific, Japan, Australia, South Korea, Hong Kong, New Zealand, Singapore, Taiwan. Now, household consumption expenditures have grown steadily over the past four decades in advanced economies. But the pace of growth has differed between advanced and developing economies. So the pace has really taken off for the rest of the world, and it's really slowed down in advanced economies. Global household consumption expenditures declined four-tenths of a percent. Due to a 1.3% decline in advanced economies, consumption grew 2.4% though in the rest of the world. So consumption is an outside game. The advanced economies, we are consuming, but we're slowing. 
Again, not to say that there's not investment opportunities. When I say that your portfolio should differ, it should. It should, you know, give a nod to the rest of the world, not necessarily, you know, totally strike out the United States or developed countries. So the strongest effects of, you know, consumption fears has to be tied in Japan, which has had just a a massive quagmire of, of nothingness from an economy. The Great Recession that we had has, you know, pushed people into fear of the United States will never be the same again. I think it's way too early to say that. The ongoing sovereign debt crisis in Europe is, you know, saying aging population, uh, best days of your advancing economy are behind you. The United States, Japan, and Germany are the world's largest consumers in that order. In terms of world consumption average, Japan has seen its percentage decline over the last 20 years, while the decline in Germany has accelerated over the last decade. So that's worthy of note, you know? Um, Percent of world consumption, United States stood at 30% in 1970. In 1990, it was 29.8%. Today, it's 30.8%. So it's been steady. Whereas Japan was at 10.3% percentage of world consumption. And now today they're at 8.6%, and it's gone 11, 12, 10, 8. Germany's gone from 8.5% down to 5.6%. The UK's down from 6.1%, all the way down to 5%. France from 5.6% down to 4.4%. So you can really truly see America is the world consumer, right? 30%. And we're not losing it. So United States and Canada's held relatively steady. Whereas Germany and Italy is much lower and across the board lower is Japan and the UK as well as France. So this shows us that spending over saving is part of our American culture. So the Great Recession is the perfect example. The consumer helped lead the U.S. economy out of the recession despite relatively weak income growth and very limited access to credit. We came out, baby. So it's wild to see. If you were to strip the United States out of the advanced nations... It would be an awful picture. It would be an awful picture. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about this in the coming days. Part of me wants to do it all in one day. Part of me wants to to break it up. I don't know. Let me think about that for a second. So to talk a little bit more about the consumer one of the very, very first things you really got to do is see it as an investment theme, is focus on the United States. Americans consume about 30.8% of the world's population, uh, about 30.8% of the consumption in 2009. So what's more is U.S. consumption constituted about 18% of global GDP that year of 2009. So it's critically important. It's uh, more than Japan and China combined in real terms. GDP and consumption are not growing as fast in the United States as they are in developing economies, thus creating buying opportunities. To illustrate this point, each percentage point increase in the U.S. real GDP would translate into about $92 billion in increased consumption. Each percentage point increase in China's real GDP translates into just over $12 billion. So $92 billion versus $12 billion. So when you see their GDP growing at 10%, that barely is the United States at one and a half. To have the same impact on global consumption, China's real GDP would have to be nearly seven and a half percentage points 
uh, higher just to match each percentage point increase in the U.S. real GDP. So advanced economies such as Japan, Germany, and Italy have some of the oldest populations in the world. U.S. is an outlier in that respect uh, since offsetting much of the immigration and fertility rates have kept the median age of the U.S. population below that of other advanced nations. Now, we do have the baby boomers. Baby boomers is any American born after World War II. Between the years 1946-1964, baby boomers are going to range in age from 47 to 65. The, the peak earnings and spending in the United States are roughly from ages 45 to 55, meaning nearly half the baby boomers are already beyond their peak earnings and spending years. And the oldest will be hitting retirement this year at 60, uh, will be hitting retirement age of 65 this year. One big consequence of the Great Recession, as we're calling it, has been a severe reduction in retirement accounts. So various research shows the recession stated that baby boomers did not have nearly enough saved for retirement. Now, retirement accounts then became even more underfunded as a result of the stock market crash and the unemployed taking money uh, out on loans of their savings and then not being able to pay them back. So this can have a lot of side effects, obviously, and a lot of effects going forward. Besides higher savings rates and reduction in standards of living, boomers could stay employed in their retirement years, crowding out new entries. However, when boomers finally do retire, new employment markets such as health care and financial services could be created as their needs will grow with age as they stop working. So more potential consequences of the Great Recession have to be talked about. Uh, how long will the long period of underemployment or unemployment last? The unemployment rate for teenagers aged 16 to 19 is 25.4% well below its peak of 27.1% in 2009 and 2010, but it's still a good couple percentage points above its previous highs during and after the 81-82 recession. So unemployment rate for college graduates age 2024 sits at 15.3%, below its peak of 17.1%, and the only other time it was above 16% was back in 82-83. Think um, family ties, think Alex P. Keaton, think Republicans, think tax cuts and trickle-down economics. That's the time. So it's going to be harder to catch up on a wage scale when you don't start work. So the sooner you start work, the sooner you start ramping your, your, your wage scale, so to speak. So higher taxes, the federal tax rates, which were effectively halved during the Reagan administration and got further by President Bush, have most likely bottomed. So in general, they're expected to rise to combat high U.S. deficit levels and to lessen the need for debt insurance, debt issuance. Taxpayers did get a little bit of a reprieve for a few years as the Obama administration kind of agreed to extend the tax cuts. But after that, consumption's going to go down a bit. And don't forget, Obama lowered the Social Security tax from 6.2% to 4.2% for all of 2011. We have a supersized deficit. We're going to have higher taxes down the road. Higher interest rates down the road means uh, more return on our savings but also more borrowing cost, which is probably a much bigger deal to most people than the return on their savings. So there's let's talk a little credit bull market, credit boom. There's a phrase out there that the 30-year credit boom's over and that there will be another credit bull market someday, but it's not going to look anything like the credit bull market of the last three decades, which really ended with a housing bubble bursting and banks becoming brokers, brokers becoming insurance companies and insurance companies becoming banks and vice versa and crossovers. So interest rates, once they start trending higher, mortgage refinancing will become a much smaller component of the housing market. 
loans and leases and bank credit for all commercial banks, which have basically tended exponentially higher since the Federal Reserve began tracking the data in 1947. They're trending downward for the first time. Now, the same is true for revolving credit, which is credit cards, which has declined sequentially for 27 consecutive months now. So American consumerism, it's a hell of a thought. Political effects of the Great Recession, the way Americans consume, it's been changing for more than a decade. It affects and it even permanently changes a number of sectors and industries. We're starting to become more of a cashless society. So apart from the end of that 30-year credit boom, the credit market's changing in another way. There's an ongoing secular shift from cash to cash and check, ultimately over to electronic payments. A move towards credit cards has been occurring for some time, but that recession has ultimately taken its toll as evidenced by the decline in revolving credit. Prepaid cards also showed double-digit growth while automated clearinghouse payments grew, but at a decelerating pace. This is actually a good global trend because growth in credit card payments continues internationally, benefiting two major payment processors, MasterCard and Visa. It's most pronounced in the United States, though, and one's benefited from card issuances. It's, it's got to be American Express, Capital One, and Discover. So banks such as Bank of America, Citigroup, and J.P. Morgan Bank benefiting to a lesser extent because banks have larger card businesses than card issuers. They also have other larger divisions that reduce the effect of that trend on their overall business. Online shopping needs to be talked about. It's becoming increasingly apparent about U.S. consumers is they're tied to becoming more price sensitive than ever before. The economic times require it for a lot, yet technology has allowed it for anyone with access to the internet. You can do great comparison shopping, great comparison shopping. Some applications on smartphones will do it for you with just a picture. E-commerce sales, like other retail sales, suffered during the recession, but the growth rates rebounded to low double-digit rates, which is pretty good, so there's room to grow. So a little bit more results as far as some of the secular shifts in the last 10 to 15 years. E-commerce, clearly sales as percentage of retail sales, it's gone from about 1% all the way in 2001 up to where it is now, but a little bit more than 5%. E-commerce sales, year-over-year growth is something I look at. Travel airline industry uh, ticker symbols like Priceline and Travel Zoo have done very, very well in the last 10, 15 years. Major companies like Amazon and eBay have been created. Entertainment like uh, Netflix has had an emergence. Books, electronic versus hard copy music. Napsters became Napster became iTunes. Financial management software. Um, investment choices increased enormously. So like Ameritrade, Schwab are just some of the names out there where emerging technologies are constantly changing the landscape. The price comparison application on smartphones is just one option. The smartphone could also allow for the storing of specific information about a user, which could trigger you know, alerts when a consumer's favorite item goes on sales. A lot of cloud computing incentives and thoughts here. Uh, driven by incentives, ultimately. Due to heightened awareness of consumers being able to shop wherever they want, Retailers' pricing power has been lessened, leading typically to bigger deals to drive sales. Black Friday weekend this year was a great example of it. It's the biggest shopping period during the biggest shopping season. And that four-day period accounts for about 10% of the total holiday sales, which are retail industry sales in November to December are lifeblood to the whole retail sector. 
more incentive programs came out of the way. We saw some crap like Small Business Saturday, ad campaign run by American Express. Cyber Monday, which is not counted as part of the Black Friday weekend, also continues to do very well. Uh, government has played a huge role in some of this, giving one-time tax rebates from both President Bush and Obama, cash for clunker programs in 2009. So you can really see how the the consumer is just getting used to, give me a freaking discount and I'll, I'll spend. You almost have to talk about Europe when talking about changing consumers. Europe dominates countries as far as their list of advanced economies and advanced countries go. They make up 26 out of 38 on the list. 23 of the 27 European Union countries are on the list. All 17 Eurozone nations. So the region has arguably felt the largest worst effects of the Great Recession. Tied towards their current Eurozone debt crisis, Greece, Hungary, Ireland have all been bailed out. Uh, Belgium, Italy, Portugal, Spain, possibly the next to fall due to contagion, with Hungary also potentially relapsing. Japan, which, you know, like Japan, Europe's countries also have aging populations. Well, combined with some of them as advanced nations, don't expect them to contract to the extent Japan did, but still to be problematic. Pushback on public support is going to be a big issue in the future. You know, austerity in Europe seemed destined to slow the pace of overall consumption growth in the near term, but austerity measures are not expected to kill spending altogether. So, aging Europe, problem Europe. You can see that they've got the most uh, advanced economies in the world. That's not going to help them, right? So, the divergence in consumption between advanced and developed economies accelerated in the last decade, and the dichotomy in growth trends is exasperated by long-term economic growth drivers, namely population. China receives all the headlines, but the United States is in the shift of a generational change itself. You know, half the boomers in the United States are beyond their peak earnings and spending years. So, we got a young young crop of youngins coming up. So the effects of the aging process are going to you know, have far-reaching implications in the United States. American consumers are going to be forced to contend with the aftermath of Great Recession, including the potential for long periods of unemployment, higher taxes, and other problems that aren't pro-spending. So the cloud computing transition is going to be another thing to talk about down the road, not right now. I think it's probably just a little bit too much to throw out at people, but uh, we'll talk about it in the future. We'll talk about the differences in the United States, Europe, and Asia, and the difference in, in consumers. We'll talk a little bit about the financial cl- transactions that are moving towards um, you know, cloud computing and the services there. So yeah, we'll talk about real smartphones per se. Stripping out the United States from advanced economic growth, you know, it highlights a dour picture. And that's why I'm not crazy about investing in that angle, whereas I am more so about um, developing countries. And yet, it can't be overlooked that advanced economies, including the U.S., account for 77% of the world's consumption. So developing is still very, very small. Do they get bigger? It's part of the investment story, investment lesson, investment theme you're going to have to stick around for for years to come and Hopefully you do stick around with me for years to come. Hey, for the absolutely positively uh, secret, not so secret podcast, uh, 1220 Rob Black, Rob Black and your money, iTunes. Take care. Have a good day.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.